Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Here we are. We're talking pastoral priorities. And today I want to talk to you about the pastoral priority number four, which is relational depth over width. Relational depth over width. Let's pray and trust that the Lord will give us some help. Holy Spirit, thank you for this opportunity that we have to think about pastoral ministry. I ask that you would give me wisdom as I'm talking through this and clarity. Help me as I'm working through these notes to be able to just say what needs to be said and bring as much help as I possibly can to these guys who are considering just the work of the pastor. What does a pastor do? I trust God that you're going to give me help and help this to be Christ-centered. I don't want to just give tips and advice. Help me to point people to Jesus in this. I trust that you're going to, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, okay, okay. We have been talking uh, through answers to the question, what does a pastor do? What does a pastor do? And we've worked through pastoral priority number one, two, and three, and here we are at number four. Eventually, we're going to get to seven and within each of these pastoral priorities, there are some subcategories. But today, very specifically, I want to talk about this idea of relational depth. Now, there's going to be some things that are common with a few episodes back when I talked about the pastor and friendship. And so there's going to be some pieces about accountability and friendship that walk hand in hand here. So there may be a little bit of repeat material, but by and large, this will be fresh, I think, and, and some good stuff for you to consider. So first, I want us to consider some bad pastoral advice that I have heard and most likely you have heard, whether it be in seminary or just from, from you know pastors talking shop and getting around and talking about friendship and life in the church and those sorts of things. You've probably heard these things as well, uh, and it goes like this. If you're going to have friends, make sure your friends are outside of the church. Pastor, your best friends should not be in the local sh- local church. They shouldn't be your elders. They should be out there. Make sure you have friends, but you need to get some pastor friends and buddies. They're outside of your church, so so you know you don't get hurt and it doesn't get weird quickly. You've probably heard that before. Another one is one that I've talked about before and want to talk about again. Loneliness. Hey, this idea of loneliness is just unavoidable. If you're going to be in pastoral ministry, these two things walk hand in hand. Loneliness, pastoral ministry. It's just, it is what it is. You just got to deal with it. Um, some more bad pastoral advice that I've heard is that nobody understands the pastor. Pastor, nobody's going to get you in the church. If anybody's going to understand you, it's going to be another lead pastor somewhere. But in your local church and with your elders, nobody can really understand what you're going through. Again, this is bad advice. (laughs) This is not true. This is bad advice or bad things that I've heard said. Uh, Another thing that I've heard, if you're going to um, have these friendships outside of the church, then pastor, you need to opt out of community in your church life. If your church has small groups, make sure that there are as many people as possible in small groups, but you don't need to be. You need to get community outside of your church. This is, people actually say this and say that this is a good thing. And I've heard this. Opt out of community in your own church family. You've got to get community elsewhere. I also have heard uh, pastors encouraged to know everybody in the church. You just have to know everybody a little bit. And now I just want to argue the point that there really is a better way than all of this. You know, what we model as pastors to a congregation and just how we live our life, we certainly teach and we preach from the Bible, and then we live in a certain way, 
And how we live often is caught by the congregation. It's certainly observed. But if we go through, go about trying to know everybody, then we'll never actually know anybody, and our people won't actually know us. What we want to avoid is modeling relational width at the expense of re- relational depth. So let's consider a few things, because uh, there's a better way. I really do think there's a better way. Um, let's model, what if we were to model as pastors, relational depth by becoming best friends with our elders, trying to be as best of friends that we can be with our elders. And if you don't have elders in your church, you just have deacon, like a deacon board or a committee, you know, committee teams, then model friendship and relational depth with people within your church. You've got to find people in your church that others can look at you and observe how a friendship actually works. You have to have friends in your church. There's a risk there, of course. There's a big risk. There's actually a risk that people will say that you're hanging out with this group of people too much or you're kind of being cliquish. But it's better to have those accusations come your way than to live a life of relational width, I mean, for the rest of your ministry. Do you want to be at the end of ministry and just be in this thing for 30, 40, 50 years and have no friends? Being lonely all the time, talking about how hard it is to be in pastoral ministry? Better to absorb the accusations that you're cliquish or that you're becoming too good of friends with people in the church than to not actually have friends. Dave Harvey uh, said one time, and I think this is really, really good, and and I'm going to encourage you to get the book called The Durable Church, uh, and then it's about healthy plurality. I'll get you the link. It's uh, Sojourn Network puts out these books, and I'll make sure you get a link to that. But he he said at one point, it was either in the book or in a sermon that I'd heard heard him preach, he said, as often as possible, elders, don't outsource your care. Don't model for the church that you don't trust your elders with you or your family. In other words, you want to model to the church that these are your pastors. These other elders are your pastors who are caring for your family, for you and your family. So don't outsource your care and send the message to the church that these leaders can't handle me. I have to go get more professionalized care because they just don't get it. We have to model depth over width. Again, depth over width. Absorb the accusations that may come. And then let's talk about this word accountability. I can't tell you how many pastors talk about accountability and having such great accountability and blah, 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 blah. Ted Haggard years ago wrote a book on accountability uh, just a couple years before he got busted with male prostitutes and meth and all that kind of stuff that went down in Colorado. Uh, Accountability is this buzzword that pastors like to throw around, and it, it almost becomes like a bragging right to be able to tell uh, people at a conference or tell all the friends how much accountability we have as pastors and we've got great accountability and there's all these checks and balances and we couldn't do what we really wanted to do at the church because we've got all this stuff built in and it's real good safeguards that are built around our church and, and blah, 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 blah. But what I think is very, very popular is is uh, actually false accountability. Uh, false accountability is common, especially in like mega church settings, and it's also very common in, in churches that only have one pastor, where there's you know no accountability whatsoever. It's just really across the board. But false accountability is is when pastors have just enough accountability to defend having accountability. They have just enough where they can write about it, talk about it, defend themselves as if they have it really. But what's uh, ironic about all this is some of those same pastors will go on and talk about how. They have accountability, but they don't have real friends. 
But here's the dilemma that we find ourselves in. Accountability and friendship go hand in hand. If you don't have real accountability, I mean, if you don't have real friendships, you can't have real accountability. It's impossible. Real accountability happens in the context of true friendship. If you don't have relational depth, you cannot have real accountability. You need to find somebody that can wound you a little bit, love you enough to tell you the truth. Pastor, this is necessary for us. If we just defend ourselves by saying, hey, look, the checks and balances are in place. I have it. Well, we don't. It's just a matter of time before that sin that's so private now becomes public or just a matter of time before you implode internally or crash and burn. We need somebody like Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 and 6. Here's what it says. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Pastoral ministry is weird. We will get praise from all the wrong sorts of people. And by the grace of God, we have got to fight off believing the praise that we get. Oh, preacher, that was awesome. Pastor, hey, man, that was the best sermon on whatever the category that I have heard in years. And you, Pastor, you have insight that nobody else has. Those sorts of things, we've got to learn to reject, to not believe. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What we really need is some good, good wounding. Not wounding as in being sinned against, but a faithful, loving wound from a friend. Real accountability happens in the context of friendship. And what I want to encourage you with and challenge you with is to find relational depth in the context of your church. you got to find somebody and you got to do the work. Don't opt out of the deep life and deep community you're preaching about. Don't be an island while telling others not to be an island. Let's do whatever we can to model for our congregation that we take relational depth seriously. And I'm arguing for this, that this is pastoral priority number four, being friends with your elder team and with people in the church. Model this before you burn out. And goodness gracious, ministry alone is not all that fun. But ministry in the context of friendship and growing friendship can be a lot of fun. So go out, get some friends, find something to do. Go smoke a cigar. That's all the popular thing these days. Find some guys to smoke cigars with or to go on a hike with or to go just spend time working on a car with if that's your thing or just do something but build relationships with the people in your church before you burn out, before it's too late. And finally, guys, you have to have friends because you have you need men in your life who are going to consistently call you back to the finished work of Jesus. When you're down when you're struggling, when you and your wife are having difficulties, when you're having challenges with your kids as they're growing older, whatever it is that you, you're facing, you know, in Christ, you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And then you have a church. You know, we've been saved individually, but we've also been saved corporately. We have a group. We're saved into a family. And so there is great advantage for the pastor who has a commitment to relational depth over width because these people are going to come alongside. These friends are going to be, be men who will come alongside and will remind you regularly when you need to hear it, there's no condemnation, pastor. There's no condemnation, friend, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then you're reminded, just when you need to be reminded of the finished work of Christ, you have a friend who will not only wound you and say, hey, listen, this is wrong, but a friend that will also come and remind you that Jesus binds the wounds 
uh, of those who have been wounded. Jesus comes. He's, there's forgiveness. I mean, you're in Christ. You are set free. You're forgiven. And this is what friendship does in the context of ministry. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.